Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 204 of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast, presented by Overdrive. This is Adam. Hi, Jill. <laughs> okay, I know what you're laughing at. You started laughing as soon as I said 204. So we had this issue in the 100s. Uh, that, that, you, is, that is why I was laughing, because it was me who yeah, used to have that problem. Yeah, long-time listeners may remember, Jill would say, like, 108, and then you'd be like, I don't know. That sounds so weird. And I would just say, just say 108. It's fine. And then I, as I was saying 204, I was like, ugh, this feels gross in my mouth. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Anywho. Back in the day. Yeah, back back 100 episodes ago. Um, it's like a year. I know. It's it's almost exactly a year because we do yeah. two episodes a week. I'm 52, 104, <laughs> math. Um, this week has been a bear for me for work things and life and ugh. I'm really glad this is your episode to talk about because <laughs> I'm fried. Yeah, it's been been a feb. Like I February was so ridiculous. Like my I've not had a normal work week schedule all month. I don't think I, I literally you I were trying to schedule uh, an interview for the next big library read, which hasn't been announced yes. yet. So I'm not going to say who the author is. But I asked you, I was like, are you available to do the recording the first week of March? And you were like, shockingly, <laughs> sorry, it's like, shockingly, Jill's here all of March. And like, just the way you said it was hilarious, because you're right, I feel like I haven't seen you for weeks at a time here. I literally just co- choked on my coffee when, that, yeah. when he started, because I knew where he was going. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, God, that's what that coffee was. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have one of those weeks. Uh, in March, I'm going, you went to the ALA, uh, midwinter meetings, and that's what this interview is from that you're going to talk about in a minute. I'm going to the public library one, public library association. They do it every two years. Um, but the four day, five days before that, I'm going to be in Arizona because I'm going to spring training to watch the Cleveland Indians. I don't play for the Indians, yeah, <laughs> but I'm going, we've never gone before and, um, I'm going to do some hiking and everything. I fly from Arizona to Cleveland, and like five hours later, I go to Philadelphia, so I won't be here for like nine days straight. But are you even going home, or are you just gonna hang on the airport for five hours? I, I'm going. I'm going home. I think it's a little bit more than five hours. It depends on when our flight gets back from Arizona. I'll go home, but I am when I pack for Arizona. I'm packing two bags. I'm packing my work PLA bag and my Arizona bag at the same time because I wouldn't like how now I'm all like how would that even work because you wouldn't have been checked like you wouldn't have gone through tsa for your second know. flight i don't know no idea what i what i should have done is told our events the- yeah well that was the thing I, we had this vacation planned for a little while and then i was looking at the calendar i was like wow that really bumps up with when pla is i should have just had our events people find me a flight from phoenix but oh well it's okay anyway that's apropos of nothing about this episode so you did an interview and I you're did. gonna talk about it now Sure. So I got to interview Carter Wilson, whose um, latest book is called Mr. Tender's Girl. It's out now. He, uh, a couple years ago, read an article about the Slender Man stabbings, which, for those who don't know, um, were two girls who felt, who followed the Slender Man um, character and f- thought in order to impress him, they had to stab this other girl. Um, and so he, he explains how he only read about three paragraphs worth of, of this article and then didn't read anything else about the Slender Man stabbing. So he had a very limited scope, but it was enough to create this whole other world. 
um, for his novel about um, basically the survivor of a similar stabbing where her dad had been a comic book artist and these two classmates of hers um, stabbed her um, in an effort to kind of impress this character, Mr. Tender. So, yeah, it was a really interesting article or interesting interview I did with him um, because we don't really talk about Slenderman, but mm-hmm. sort of do. And I love the idea of an author seeing an article about a real-life thing that happened inspired by a creepypasta, which for people who aren't familiar, creepypasta is basically an online myth, like mm-hmm. something like a, stories that only originated on the internet and have become kind of like almost like folklore, like tales. Um, and Slenderman is probably the most famous of them. They're making a yeah. movie about it. But like, I love the idea of an author reading an article about a thing that did happen inspired by a fake thing and then creating his own fake thing off it. Just... Oh, he goes way into the fake thing too because, you know, so it's this comic. So I don't, I won't, I'm trying not to say too much about it. Yeah. This, like when we get to this part in the interview, it's actually really interesting. But, um, you know, so Mr. Tender is a, comic book character in his book and I asked him if um, if he had when he was writing if he had an idea in his head of the style and he told me he actually commissioned actual art um, Ooh. but then it starts going into a much like bigger yeah. rabbit hole of all that he actually did um, in terms of taking this book more outside the novel so that's really interesting so people who have read Mr. Tender, um, Mr. Tender's Girl or who will there's there's some fun little Easter eggs um, outside of the book. As we talk to more and more authors, I can just not the whole asking them the lazy where do you get your ideas question, but just like hearing the story of how a book idea can originate from something so minuscule. It fascinates me. It's awesome. Well, I think it's particularly interesting because he's. I mean, he said he stopped reading. Like he has, other than those three paragraphs. He hasn't read anything about the the Mr. Slenderman or that, about the Slenderman stabbings, and so because I think because he didn't want it to sort of influence his correct, yeah. Um, that is bananas. But to be, <laughs> I know because yeah, and the timing is very interesting. I mentioned because one of the girls in the Slenderman stabbings was recently um, given Con- her fate, convicted. Yeah, given I guess. Her fate. I, I mean, I don't know how. I mean, no, she's she's getting yeah assistance I, help. But um, the timing of it is just interesting. It's not something like the publisher plans. Right. (laughs) I actually would love it if that was the new way we said that people were like, given your fate could be so... That could be so wide ranging. I don't know how else to put it. No, I know. It could be like, but given your fate could be something like the judge is going to give the criminal their fate. Or it could be like, yeah, um, I'm finding out if I got this job, it's uh, the the hiring agent is going to give me my fate. (laughs) What a sorry, isn't that... We'll do that. We'll start. We'll start doing that um, all the time now. Oh, uh, if people want to get a hold of us, how can they do that? They can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Pro Book Nerds, and they can email us directly at Professional Book Nerds at Overdrive.com. Yes, they can. Anything else you think people should know about? No. <laughs> okay. I always ask you just to make sure I'm not missing anything. I know, I'm not I trying to think... trap you. No, I know you're not trying to <laughs> trap me, but like. My brain, like all every other, like in the past, we've had like other stuff, mm-hmm. but I don't think we have anything right now. I don't think so either. Okay, well, I hope you guys all enjoy this conversation that Jill had with Carter Wilson on Professional Book Nerds Podcast.
Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast. This is Jill. With me today, I have Carter Wilson, who is a U.S. USA Today bestselling author. His latest book, Mr. Tender's Girl, is out now. Carter, thank you so much for joining me. Very happy to be here, Joe. Thank you. So can you start us off by giving our listeners a brief introduction to Mr. Tender's Girl? Sure. So Mr. Tender's Girl was inspired by the Slenderman crime. And for those listeners who aren't familiar with that, it was two girls in Wisconsin back in 2012. They stabbed another girl out of a tribute for this to this um, graphic novel character named the Slender Man. And I was reading this article back in 2012, and I was just so creeped out by this. And then I read how this victim survived, and I immediately stopped reading because I knew this was going to be what my book was going to be based on. So in the case of Mr. Tender's Girl, that victim, is her name is Alice Hill, and she grew up in London, and her father actually created this whole series of graphic novels that were wildly popular based on this character named Mr. Tender, who's essentially a demonic bartender. And when Alice was 14, uh, she's stabbed by two 14-year-old girls, uh, classmates, out of tribute to Mr. Tender. Actually, they believe Mr. Tender had told them this to do this. So the whole book takes place 14 years later, because I was very fascinated about what Alice looked like as an adult. Right. Um, and she's trying to live in anonymity, and she's finding her past kind of coming coming back to her, where she's realizing she's being watched. And so she basically has to fight against everything, all her impulses to figure out who's doing this and confront her past in order to kind of make it through the other side. I think the timing of this, probably not intentional, just sort of worked out that way, but one of the two girls from the Slender Man Stabbings recently was in the news for her um, right. results, or just the timing just seems very odd to me. And yeah, it's 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 funny because I, literally since that day that I read that article, I haven't read anything or watched anything mm-hmm. about. And, and and some of it was I didn't want to be influenced by by the story, so I, all I had read were those three paragraphs, and and then part of it's also I don't want to feel like I'm capitalizing on this terrible crime right, sure. but people have sent me links and there was an HBO documentary on there's a movie coming out mm-hmm. in April I think called Slender Man so it is weird that it it's is. like <laughs> all kind of creeping up now right. but yeah it's it's when I mention Slender Man to almost any reader they immediately like, oh yeah mm-hmm. that was I remember that that was creepy that actually was one of my questions was um, the balance between how much of the real story but if you only read those three paragraphs and just kind of stops yeah that was it and it's interesting because i've seen a lot of reviews that say if you're expecting this to be about the slender there's nothing like it at all right. which is a nice that relief is a to nice me. thing yeah um, because again i don't want to feel like I'm, I'm taking advantage of that story but um but there was just i just remember getting literally getting chills when i'm reading this this news article and just it, it's just horrifying and creepy and different and I just knew there was something there. There, yeah, for sure. I, the book is phenomenal. Well, thank I will you. say, I and that. I didn't really see. There were parts I, I didn't see any of it coming. I don't think just as oh, it, because it, especially Neither at the I. end. <laughs> All right. So, but especially at the end, it just sort of keeps unfolding, and yeah. I'm just like, what is happening? And then a couple pages more. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, a lot of that is born out of the fact that I'm a, I'm a pantser, so I. I don't outline. I never have. Okay. I've tried. I just, I'm not effective at it. I, and it's actually how I began writing was, it's my whole methodology is I just present myself kind of an opening scene and then I 
try to spend the entire book figuring out what that scene means. And Mr. Tinder wasn't any different. So I didn't know what was happening for most of the book. And usually around three quarters of the way, and I'll start to like, oh, maybe this is what's happening. I didn't know Mr. Tinder was a bartender for a lot of the book. Wow. I'm like, oh, tender, bartender. That makes sense. Yeah, maybe he's a bartender. Isn't that interesting? So I do you just, write in order then? I do. Okay. Yeah, once, once in a while, if, I, if there's a scene I know I, I want to write, I'll jump ahead. But sometimes it's that scene that drives you. You're so excited to write that scene that, that that's your reward for right. the 100 pages leading up to it. So, yeah, I usually write in order. So, you know, sort of as you had said, if you mention Slenderman um, to people, they know instantly what it is. And why do you think that sort of story is so fascinating and why you decided to turn that, take that idea and turn it into a book to kind of captivate readers? Well, I think there's a couple of reasons. I, I can speak for myself at least, but I think a lot of people have the same visceral. First of all, I think the fact that they're young girls is is different mm-hmm. and and when there's any crime that involves a knife that is so much more personal and there's so much more of a commitment to using a weapon like that it's there's a there's a will involved mm-hmm. and so when you marry those two things together and then the idea that they they were obsessed with this graphic novel character and then that there were two of them right so how could two of them both be at that level of thinking. Um, so I think all of those things create this perfect storm of just creepiness. And, and there's just nothing else like it. So there, And it just it hits people. like Because you just can't, that you can't imagine. We can imagine a lot of bad things because right. we're exposed to them all the time. That is a whole different level of, I don't, I don't get this. Right. And that's attractive to people. That, just that idea. Because it, it's a, this unease that I think is compelling. So there, as you mentioned, you know he's a graphic character from a graphic novel that plays a lot of um, importance in the storyline, the art involved. Do you have in your mind when you were writing a particular style of what the Mr. Tender no, uh, graphic novels and comics would have looked like? I do. I actually had them commissioned. <laughs> oh, okay. So that would have been my next I, question. When I was uh, <laughs> there's. There's a point in the story where Alice discovers, and this isn't revealing too much, but there's a point in the story where Alice discovers a website. And when I was writing that, and I actually typed the web address in the book, all I could think about was how disappointing that would be for a reader to go there and there's nothing there. So I'm like, I'm going to make that website. And on that website is artwork oh. that from Mr. Tender's novel. So I found a, a DC Comics, ex-DC Comics graphic artist living in Switzerland, and I commissioned several panels of artwork. Um, so a whole cover of a Mr. Tender graphic novel, some other panels. And then, so now, and I don't really ad- advertise this too much that you can go to this website, but if you go to this website and you got to use the password that's in the, the book. Oh, that's incredible. <laughs> then you will experience what Alice experiences for the first time. If you go to without reading the book, A, you won't be able to get any, you right. won't have any context for it. But if you read the book, you go in, it'll probably creep you out a little bit because I worked very hard to make that a very visceral experience for, for, for the reader. I am so disappointed. It didn't even occur to me to go look to see if that's a real website. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm thinking if you're reading on, uh, on an e-reader, I'm, you can probably just click and link. Probably. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah. I want to go test it. That's, that's phenomenal. So I, 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 I got a little carried away with, 
time and expense on it, but I'm like... No, I kind of love that you, you you know, books are so, can, can be so kind of inclusive, and once the book is over, you could talk about it with people, but you sort of added this new element and dimension to the reading experience by doing that. And it was, um, so Alice also owns her own coffee shop called The Stone Rose, so I created logos for The Stone Rose, <laughs> coffee mugs, and, you know, there are photos of her coffee, of her coffee shop with those logos superimposed on the windows and yeah it's it's, it's been fun <laughs> i kind of like that away. whole multimedia experience. yeah that's incredible for, for me it's very fulfilling because i can see it's a creative outlet to be able to do that kind of thing as well so i mean are these things that you sort of had while you were writing or did they come out afterwards like when you know like with the stone rose did you have an idea of what the logo would have looked like then or yeah i didn't i did when i decided to build the website I knew there were going to be pictures of her coffee shop on that right. website. So I'm like, well, you got to have, have a real photo. So, and yeah, yeah, I had several people helping me out, taking pictures. And yeah, it's, it's been fun. That takes a lot of work. That would be kind of creepy, though, now that I think about it. Like, yeah, totally. I'm like, that sounds awesome. And then actually going and reading all that stuff and diving into it, I was like, that would be weird. Yeah, it's a little weird. <laughs> it's a little strange. Uh, so do you read graphic novels? outside of this i don't yeah i mean i haven't in a while i remember you know reading like mouse by art spiegelman mm -hmm. and, and and those kind but um I, I typically don't yeah so did any of your sort of i don't know if it would be necessary but any kind of like pre-writing research involved talking to graphic novelists or no it didn't i had enough familiarity where i i, I I had to get an idea of how many people it took to, to produce one. Was this realistic? But once I had kind of a feeling behind that, um, I felt pretty comfortable with it. Would you ever consider writing a graphic novel? Now that you totally. Had, yeah. yeah, I have actually I have friends who do that and have commissioned graphic novels, and it's the writing is the easy part. Right. Yeah. It's the so art. it's, it's yeah. finding the, the the person to do the art. But I would love. I mean. You know, I would love to do a, a Mr. Tinder. Right, that's what I'm actual thinking. Actual book. Mm -hmm. I, I think that would be tremendous. And I would, it's just a matter of where does that fit in your priorities of, sure. of life. But, right. You know, if, sure. it be, if, it, if there was enough demand for it, I think it would be, I would love to do something like that. Yeah, so. I, that's what I kept thinking. I don't read a lot of graphic novels, but as I was reading Mr. Tender's Girl, I kind of wished I had a physical version of a Mr. Tender's yeah. graphic novel to kind of pair as a companion piece to see, to really see what the images, at least in your mind, were for Mr. Tender. Yeah. I mean, it's difficult. It's when I commissioned this guy to do it, I said, here are the pages in the book that describe them. So you tell me what you see in this. So we were going back and forth with sketches and things like that. I'm like, yeah, I think that's I think that's about right because I don't didn't really know myself exactly right. what he looked like. Okay, so, um, I had an idea. Yeah, an idea. Yeah, that's a big thing in my book. Actually, is I don't I don't spend a lot of time describing people. And in fact, if you read about Alice in the book, there's zero physical descriptions of of her in terms of like, you, she's athletic, but you don't know. That is accurate. There, there's yeah. one description towards the end. But you don't know what color hair is. You don't know. And I, I like that about characters. I like giving very minimal description. I know what they look like to me, but I want them to look like what you think that they look like. That's Because that's what I enjoy as sure. a reader um, most of the time. So there are some exceptions. but that's, That is true. That yeah. would be, you know, once you have that physical version of a Mr. Tender yeah. book, then that's what people will think of when they're reading the book versus right now they can just sort of imagine it however they would like to. Right. Exactly. 
true. Until the TV show comes out, and then, you know, <laughs> then we all know what they Then we all know. Then, yeah, yeah. Um, I have to say, you... I, it's interesting that you don't really outline or plot anything, because I said I was totally surprised, and yet there were enough clues, which were probably added in as you sort of like... Some were layered in later, right. later on. Right, but... I yeah, just like you're just like I'm just making this up as I go along, just kind of blows me away. Yeah, you kind of hope that your subconscious is acting for you somewhere, and and you know, and it's a lot of trial and error. I mean, I've I've spent plenty of times where I get about three quarters of the way into something, and it's like, what, where is this going? What and and but sometimes there's enough of those aha moments, like oh yeah, like the whole Mr. Tender's the bartender. Right. Once I knew that. That opened up a whole avenue of, of what he was like, and um, but that was about halfway through the book that I realized that. So, uh, yeah, but rewrites are essential. <laughs> you know, there's were a there, lot of those. So, in that sense, were there parts of the book that surprised even you as the author? That yeah. the way things turned out. Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, Probably nothing that you can say without yeah, spoiling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now I mean, that I think about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the ending didn't come to me till very late okay. in the game, and it didn't change a whole lot from. When that, because all of a sudden you have that moment and you're like, oh, all the paths are leading to, oh, this is what the book is right. about. And I mean, that sounds a little bit precious, I know, but there is that moment where you're like, oh, this is actually kind of what I'm writing about. Right. And maybe this relates to something in my life. There's some theme that I didn't realize until now. And, um, you know, in Mr. Tender, it's, it, to me, it's, a, it's very thematic about being addicted to saving people. Mm-hmm. There's just having kind of there's a, this this hero theme that kind of um, it threads through that story for me at least. Right. And I don't think that's a really I think you'll read it, it's not a really bold theme that you'll see, but that's what it is to me. Um, that need that need to save people. Yes, um, and being addicted to I it. Can, yes, no, I can. So, having read the book, I would. Um, see how that comes through and that didn't occur to me until i was pretty much done with it I'm like oh well isn't that interesting that is interesting <laughs> Maybe this is what it means <laughs> so. so are you working on anything new or are you kind of taking a break and on no i mean yeah I, you know i'm always working on something new because there's a fear of not producing um and there's you know your energy you want to kind of get out there but um i i'm working on something that i'm i'm close to finishing and it's very focused on um people with, with lost memories oh. and connections to one another and not okay. understanding what that is. Um, so a thriller, but a little bit more, um, not probably as straight of an arrow as Mr. Tinder's Girl is. Um, so there's a lot of threads in it. So it's it's been very challenging. It's been very entertaining to write, but I've, I've had to take my time with it to figure out exactly where it's going. Sure. So we'll see. So we are at a library conference. Yes. Um, we are a library company, and I'm a librarian. And, and I always like at these sort of instances to ask, if did you go to the library when you were growing up? I did, yep. C- certainly the school library, for sure. But, um, yeah, in, uh, in Westlake Village, California, growing up, the, the library the library was a big thing, for sure. And, and I feel like I've kind of gotten distance from the library until I had kids. Then you're like, oh. 
libraries are great. I forgot how awesome yeah. libraries are. Yeah, I can just go get books for free. <laughs> That's amazing. Right. So, yeah, we've kind of rediscovered that. We have a little library right near our house that um, that has been great with the kids. And then you rediscover things yourself. Right. What kind of books did you read when you were growing up? You know, I remember, well, when I was little, little, I loved biography, like the kids' biographies of like Teddy Roosevelt and things like that. But, man, once I hit like 15 and discovered Stephen King... <laughs> There was there was no turning back. I mean, I really liked that. I yeah. like kind of the more the grounded stuff rather mm-hmm. than the fantasy stuff. Um, but and then I remember in my twenties, I got really into like series like James Clavell, Shogun, and Taipan, and John Jakes, and just I would get lost, you know, in, in those books. And now I feel like I don't have as much time to read, but I, I I make a commitment to read every day. Usually, it's in bed and. I end up falling asleep fairly quickly, but every every day. So I'm a huge Stephen King fan myself. And I have to tell you, uh, when it comes to authors of all genres, all age levels, the author that they read that influenced them the most, it was, it's always Stephen King. It's always Stephen King. And it even, it doesn't matter what they write. Uh, I mean, we have stories from people reading it when they were like 13 years old, and, <laughs> and it just I, there's just something about his writing in particular that is just yeah yeah it's captivating. And I'll also say that if you talk to a lot of authors, the one book that they'll reference in terms of you know a book about writing is Stephen King's On Writing. Yep. I mean, and I've I haven't read a ton of books about writing, but you read that one and you connect with it. You're like, wow, this is somebody who's telling you. How to really yes. write as a captive, and I don't love everything by Stephen King. I mean, there's 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 misses of his for sure, but most of his stuff, you just you you know you're just reading the work of somebody who is living the human experience. He's yes. being able to convey that. Agreed. And there's something about that that most people can't do, um, which is why it's so successful. I have this uh, poster in my queue back in the office of the Stephen King universe, and it connects all of the <laughs> yeah, books and all yeah. of the different worlds. The world building he does it's, is it's phenomenal. It's incredible, yeah. and I don't even... I don't even think I realize just quite how much everything is intersected in his books. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, when I read him years ago in high school, you, there was little things you'd pick up, like, oh, they mentioned this book, right. and this character's... You know, the book's... The misery books get read in other books, which is always sort of cracks me up. But then actually seeing a physical version of this is just, it blows my mind. It's funny. So Mr. Tinder's Girl is my fifth novel, and they're all standalone thrillers. But there there are Easter eggs in all of them that connect to another book whether okay. somebody's driving through a town and that's the town with this and i know nobody's going to catch that it's just purely for my own amusement right i just like that idea that there is that kind of thread somehow through my own you know universe so there's a carter um, wilson so I, universe <laughs> i would imagine i mean i'm sure there's a lot of stevie king fans who, who uh, know all of those things but i'm sure a lot of that started from him just like this is kind of cool I probably i want to do this just to amuse myself because it's fun. Yeah. Yeah, it is fun. I, I like dropping little hints in there. That's good so, to know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that would be part of the fun of having multiple books is throwing those little Easter eggs and, yeah. and imagining it it's as its own little universe. Yeah. And a passing thought. Yeah. And that's all it is. But it's it's enough. <laughs> <laughs> I, I always, when I, I hear stories like that with this or with the Stephen King stuff, imagining this fictional universe where all of these characters live in. That's just fun as a reader to totally. think about. Yep. Absolutely. No, you're absolutely right. 
<laughs> so at the end of all of our interviews, we do something that we call the Nerd Nine, uh, which are nine um, sort of lighthearted questions. Don't think too hard about any of them, okay? Okay, no math? No math. I'm no actually pretty good. I'm not, so, so <laughs> no math on this one. Um, what is the last book you finished reading? Uh, the Boys in the Boat, about um, the, the, the crew team uh, in the 1936 Olympics. So I, sometimes when I'm writing, I try to go to nonfiction a little bit, so that's, that's something that's been recently engaging me. Is that so you don't kind of have influence on your own? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, I'm not quite sure I like nonfiction. I uh, like those kind of history uh, stories anyway. Um, but yeah, sometimes it's just you want to just be in a different world. Right. And, and a real world. Right. <laughs> and, and so that was a little bit of a reason for me. Okay. What is your favorite book of all time? I know, it's a hard one. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, good answer. Favorite place to read? Um, my bed. Until you fall asleep. I know. <laughs> we all do that. A uh, place you would like to travel that you haven't been to yet? Um, Australia. I've been to a lot of places and I haven't been to Australia. I've always wanted to go yeah, to Australia. It's on my radar. What is your favorite holiday? <laughs> Halloween. I do a huge thing at Halloween. I, I build animatronics for my porch <laughs> and I get kids screaming oh, and crying. Awesome. It's fantastic. <laughs> uh, cats or dogs? Uh, both, but right now I'm a solo cat person. Nice. Coffee or tea? Coffee, yes. Your favorite food? Um, type of food or just food in general? Just food in general. Italian food. And if you could have dinner with one person dead or alive, who would it be? Oh, my dad. Aw, that's a good answer. Carter, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. It was oh, wonderful talking to you. Pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace. I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Burn the Boats from Evergreen Podcasts. I interview political leaders and influencers, folks like award-winning journalist Soledad O'Brien and conservative columnist Bill Kristol about the choices they confront when failure is not an option. I won't agree with everyone I talk to, but I respect anyone who believes in something enough to risk everything for it. Because history belongs to those willing to burn the boats. Episodes are out every other week wherever you get your podcasts.